Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Pop quiz, all right? And each week, I give you a word that goes with the dysfunctional message series. In week one, does anybody know what the word was? That's right. The word was reality. All right. Whoever thought that, that you're correct. Okay. And, um, and the reality is this, that God expects us to try to attain an unattainable truth. And that is to have a functional family. And once we realize that it's just, it's impossible through our own effort, he pours out his undeserved grace on us. And allows our families to work together. Just yesterday, here, we celebrated a marriage of 35 years. And I am confident that there's been a day or two during those 35 years that either Chuck or Nikki might have felt like it was a little dysfunctional. Yeah. That's the reality for all of us. Week number two, who, who remembers what the word was? Honor, that's right. Nikki, you, congratulations, you go girl. The word was honor. And the, the power behind honor is that we have the ability to leverage our power, our influence, our resources for somebody who doesn't have that ability, doesn't have that power, doesn't have those resources available to them. Matter of fact, we're encouraged, commanded to, by God's word, to use our position to help those in need. But sometimes that's difficult in family. And that brings up week's three word. And week's three, anybody remember what week three word was? Conflict. That's right. You can't have family without having conflict. You can't have a family reunion without somebody leaving mad. And the reality of conflict, though, is it's not what they're doing. It's that I'm not getting something that I want. That's a hard pill to swallow. And today I bring a harder one. You know, we were just singing the words, my chains are gone. And I believe that God wants to relieve many of you that are here today, many of you that are watching online from home, whether it's here on Sunday at 11 o'clock in, in the morning, or if it's another day that you happen to capture this. There's chains that we bound ourselves in. And I believe that God wants to deliver you from that. God wants to relieve you of that struggle. God wants to take that away. But, but it's a hard medicine. You know, family's complicated. Relationships are complicated. You know, when we hear words like father or mother, son or daughter, Brother, sister, you know, these words are never emotionally neutral. They always bring out something. I mean, it, maybe it's that sister or that brother that they can push your buttons and they enjoy it. And you let them push those buttons. 
Maybe it's a father or a mother who uh, has hurt you, and you haven't let that go yet. Maybe it's a child, an adult child or a young child, that for some reason, there's something that you're wanting out of that relationship, and you don't even know how to say it, and you find yourself being self-destructive in that relationship instead of building it up. You know, when it comes to relationships, perhaps the most destructive lie we can all tell ourselves is this. I don't care. The simple truth is you do. You may not want to, but you do. They may not deserve it, but you do. And you may think that you have no emotions left for that relationship, for that conflict that's happening. And I'm here to tell you, that it's dangerous for you to believe that you don't. I don't know if you remember last week, but I shared with you a story about me and my dad in the truck. And how that I thought I was doing something good, and I shared with my dad a, a way that he could, his finances in, in six months would be in a totally different place. And my dad looked over and he said, you just want my money. Now, I know he didn't say it as mean as I just did. But that's the way I felt. That's what I heard. Remember I said the, 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 these words aren't emotionally neutral. And when we use those words from the, the people in our, in our relationships, our family, when they've got those titles, nothing they say is emotionally neutral. And when I heard that, if you would have asked me, if you, could have, if you could have frozen time and stopped me alongside the road and said, Ronnie, what do you think about what your dad just said? What do you think I would have said? That's right. I would have given the same lie that many of us give, and that is I don't care. But the reality is that I did care. It was almost 10 years ago. And yet it's still like... He's in the truck with me today. And one of the things I find interesting is that sometimes it seems like the relationship with your father is one of the most critical for the future of your health, for the future of your relationship in your walk with Christ. <laughs> and what's crazy is sometimes it's the most difficult. Now, I was a mama's boy growing up. And sometime in my 20s, I quit calling mom and I started calling dad. And it was always when something was broke or I was. My dad always answered, always helped. I, I probably always gave money when it hurt them. That dad, Years later, says those words, and I'm saying, I don't care. And after a couple of months, maybe even a year, when things like that would have been brought up, I changed from I don't care to I moved on. And I wonder how many here today are in a similar relationship where you've been telling yourself for a long time that you don't care. And you know that I'm telling the truth that you do. And maybe you've been doing it so long that you can say those words too. I've moved on. 
But the problem is when we move on from a, a relationship, when we move on from a family dysfunction, it's like a bungee cord. And, and I, I think of this story of a, this guy pulls up to this red light on his Harley Davidson. And, and you can't pull up to the red light on a Harley Davidson after you stop without revving the engine. And that's exactly what he did. And everyone for three blocks appreciated it. And then this older gentleman pulls up on a scooter. A helmet and big goggles. Smiling at the guy on the Harley. And the guy on the Harley didn't even want to give him like he was there. The light turned green and the Harley revved and just took off as fast as the Harley could. And the guy on the Harley, he looks in the mirror and, and he sees the old guy getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Kind of feels good about it. And so he gets in the cruise and then all of a sudden he looks in the mirror and the, the guy's getting a little bigger, a little bigger, and then in just a second or two, boom, the, the moped flies past the Harley Davidson. But you know what the guy in the Harley does. He kicks it down a gear and he revs it higher and he catches up again and flies past the guy on the moped. And this happens time after time. And then finally they stop at a red light and the older gentleman on the moped catches up and, and, and he takes off his helmet and he takes off his goggles and he says, please, can I get my suspenders off your handlebar? <laughs> Folks, I don't know that we're much different than that older gentleman in our relationships. We rev our Harley, we take off, and we leave that family member in the dust. And I don't know, is it a week, a month, or a year, or two years, or five years, or ten years? But they start getting bigger and bigger. And they pass us up. And we rev it, and we change gears, and we do it again and again and again. And it stretches. And it pulls us back. And yet we fight it. We refuse to accept it. We don't want to acknowledge it. Because we're still saying, I don't care. And we're still crying, I moved on. And the truth of the matter is that every child longs for the approval of their parent, especially their father. My dad was awesome. I remember out of high school, graduated, and I was confused. I wanted to go in the military. I wanted to go to Bible college. I didn't know which. And my dad saw this, and he sensed this. And, and he sat down kitchen table and he said the most powerful words he says Ronnie he goes whatever you choose I want you to know that your mom and I we support you the burden is off of my back those words changed my life why because every child longs for the approval of their parents. And moms and dads, most of your kids believe that they're letting you down. You think I'm wrong. Think about it with your mom and dad. 
and how you felt like you let them down. And here's the dysfunction of families is as parents, we're the ones thinking we let our kids down. And so this bungee cord relationship, never stopping at the light and getting the bungee cord off and talking about what's really going on. Instead, we suffer with this dysfunction. Some people say these words, I hate my father. And the only reason you would say words like that is because your father matters to you. You know, a lot of times we think that the opposite of love is hate. And that's just not true. The opposite of love is apathy. You know, there's a desire on the part of every parent to be approved by their children. To be the hero. To hear, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. Now, I, I promise you, I don't arrange this. But my oldest son's here. When he graduated from high school, I still, they, they interviewed each of the, the high school graduates. And, and it was just a little snippet. But I remember these words. They said, Colin, what do you want to do with your life? And he said, I want to join the Air Force. I want to uh, become a nuclear medicine technologist. And I want to study computers. All three things that I had done. Now, I'm here to tell you, he didn't do any of those. <laughs> you know, it didn't matter. They could print that up today, and I'd still feel the same. And here's the reality. That when you have a dysfunctional relationship with a child or with a parent... As that desire grows, and it does, it gets stronger, so does the parents' insecurity. So does the children's insecurity. And buried beneath that hurt, buried under the disappointment, on the other side of the distance that you put between you and them, there's a desire to be connected. There's a desire to restore that fellowship. There's a desire to have that relationship. And folks, I'm not letting you off the hook because that will last the rest of your life. How ironic it is that Jesus invited us to call God our heavenly Father. <laughs> One of the hardest relationships that exists. And that's what we are challenged to do with our Heavenly Father. Well, this week's word is a hard one, and it's reconciliation. If you are here today, if you're watching and you are estranged from a mom, a dad, a sister, or a brother, maybe a son or a daughter, especially if they're still living, my challenge to you is today to begin or to continue the process of reconciliation. And, and, and unfortunately, you cannot make reconciliation happen. Can I get an amen? But it's in your best interest that you not give up. You see, reconciliation in family, reconciliation in close relationships is worth fighting for. But the problem is that there's this thing called the human phenomenon. 
and the human, think about it this way. There are no such thing as marriage problems. Ain't that right, Chuck and Nikki? Yeah, no, no such thing as married problems. The reality is they're single problems that you put together. There's no such thing as family problems. They're single problems that a child has, that a parent has, that the other parent has, that the siblings have. And then you put all those together and you've got this thing called the human phenomena, which means that you could experience the same exact thing as your neighbor and re re react a totally different way. You want proof of this? Watch somebody get cut off in traffic. So some of you ladies get cut off in traffic and you just sing amazing how sweet the sound. I get cut off in traffic. Three days ago, and it, it always happens like this. I get cut off in traffic, and then Carrie says, Ronnie, please don't. And I think my words a couple days ago, somebody's got to teach this guy a lesson. I hope he doesn't come here. <laughs> Recognize my truck. The human phenomena is this. That when these things happen, you want to look to somebody else and say, how should I respond? And they tell you, and you're like, oh, that's not going to work. Why? Because they're not going to respond the way you are. They're not thinking the way you think. But you know who does? Your Heavenly Father. He's got the problem solved, but we've got to go to Him. You see, family relationships are worth fighting for. Because if you don't fight for them, the anger and resentment's just going to build up. And it's going to surface somewhere else. And the people that are still in your life are going to reap the results of you being mad at somebody who's not in your life. The people who love you the most, you're going to treat worse than the person who's treating you like dirt. But I want you to understand this. I, I promise you this. God's word promises that when you look back and you know that you did everything that you humanly could do, because there's no guarantee that it's going to work out. You're going to put yourself out there and you're going to say, I'm sorry. You're going to say, forgive me. You're going to say, I didn't mean that. And that person might reject you and continue on with their life. But here's my promise. When you look back and you know that you did absolutely everything that you could possibly do that was in the power for you to do it, to, to seek reconciliation, you'll never regret it. So here I was in the truck. My dad says those words, I kill the relationship. I withdraw. I quit calling. I quit visiting. Until I heard these words that I'm about to share with you. And, and I'll tell you, I didn't want to reach out. I didn't want the reconciliation. But yet God wouldn't let it go. God didn't let me off the hook. And praise God, he didn't. 
because I sought reconciliation. I wonder how long my dad had been waiting. I wonder how long the person that you're thinking about has been waiting for you to take the first step. And you've convinced yourself that they don't care. And you've convinced yourself that they've moved on. Here's the Bible verse I want you to hear, and that's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to read verse 14, and, and I want you to understand that if you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, you have no other choice. In verse 14 it says, For Christ's love compels us. And that word compel there means you have no choice. It constrains you. It controls you. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And so it's because of 2 Corinthians 5.14 that we've got to start today. If you know that there's a relationship in your life that's not whole, that's dysfunctional, Christ is compelling you. And, he, and when this sermon series stops, it's not going to stop. Holy Spirit works 24-7, 365. And you might make it through to the other end of this series thinking, Woo, pastor's going to leave me alone. Pastor's the last guy you got to worry about. Verse 15, and he died for all, that all those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him. And I want you to pick up something here. When I, and, and every week that I've shared something with you, the reason why we, we, we seek the functional relationship, the reason why is Christ. When it said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your husbands as Christ submitted and left his throne in heaven. It says the same thing for children. It says the same thing for parents. Here's the problem. We don't want to reconcile. They don't deserve the reconciliation. And the truth of the matter is neither did I. I didn't deserve it with my dad, and I certainly didn't deserve it with Jesus Christ. And I'm confident I'm not the only person in here that didn't deserve God's grace in his life. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 says these words, And this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And now here's the hard part. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, that's not just a fancy word. That's a calling on every one of us. You want to know what God's will for your life is? It's that you seek out a ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation is the process of making compatible. Not tolerating, but restoring that relationship. You see, there was a conflict between God and us. And God 
created the process of reconciliation. He did it all. There wasn't anything that we ever could have done for ourselves. And it was God, not us, that went to work to resolve the conflict. And my question to you is, how are you doing in your ministry of reconciliation? Can you say like Christ, I've done everything. I'm just waiting on the other person. Because the reality is this, that the only obstacle that kept us from being reconciled to God was us. Who was reconciling? The one who strayed or the one who stayed? Who was reconciling? The innocent or the guilty party? And here's the words that he said, not counting the people's sins against them. In spite of my sins, God reconciled me through the work of Christ. In spite of your best efforts, which are still sin, God is willing to reconcile you through Christ to God. In verse 19, and he has committed to us the message of, say the word with me, reconciliation. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Every one of us as Christ followers, in spite of our sins, God made, it, made each of us able to be reconciled. And here's our challenge. We don't use the words in spite of. We use the words because of. And so we tell somebody, because of your sins, I'm not reconciling with you. And all of the, the time, the Holy Spirit saying, in spite of your sins, God reconciled you to him. And so our calling is to be like Christ. Our calling is to not take their sins into account because God, thank goodness, he's not counting your sins anymore. You know, it's, it's incredible how, how hard we make the Christian life. We make it hard for people to get saved and then we make it harder for them to stay saved. All right, let's just get rid of everybody else. You make it harder for you to stay saved. For, for some reason, you think that, okay, now that I've asked Jesus Christ to be in my heart, now I've got to live a perfect life. And you're going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to realize you can't. That's an unattainable truth. And then you're going to do one of two things. Is one is you're going to say, oh, woe is me. I think I've lost my salvation. And you're going to go sin more. That's what people who think they've lost their salvation do. They go sin. Moses called it the pleasures of sin for a season. Or the other choice is that you can say, you know what, God, I don't understand this. I don't know why you're going to give me another chance. But you're going to read a verse that says that his mercies are new every and you're either going to convince yourself that you lost your salvation or you're going to convince yourself that God's mercies are new every day. And, and believe me, there's a different walk on whichever decision you make. In this decision, you're going to keep saying because of other people, that's why I'm not going to reconcile to you because you're not good enough. You don't meet up to my standard. Even though God's saying 
in spite of your sins, you don't meet up to my standard, but I'm going to make a way. In verse 20 in 2 Corinthians 5 says these words, We are therefore Christ ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And I just, I want to ask you a question. How are you doing in your role as an ambassador? Let me ask you this question a little harder. What if your efforts on reconciliation end up being the difference in heaven and hell for that person? Think about that. The person that is not reconciled with you, if they, the first question I would ask you if you came and talked to me is, is are they saved? And nine times out of ten, the person that's on the other side of the table says, no, they're not. No matter what they've done, that's enough reason to reconcile. Because they may not ever walk in this church. They may not ever pick up a Bible. But you carry the name of Christ as an ambassador. And they're going to look at the way that you treat them as the way Christ would treat them. That's why we struggle with our relationship with our Heavenly Father based on our relationship with our earthly father. We think that we didn't measure up to what our earthly father wanted from us. And so how could we possibly ever reach that level that our heavenly father is expecting? And the answer is you can't. But I made a way. And the rest of verse 20 says this. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are here right now and you do not know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, I'm begging you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled with God today. If you are watching this and you have never asked and never began a relationship with Jesus Christ, I implore you, today, be reconciled to God. I'd encourage you to go to our website, tbccentralia.com slash next. And there you will find step number one, the most important step, and that is get in. Establish a relationship with Jesus Christ. There is no other decision you can make the rest of today, this week, this, I don't care what happens in 2020. The most important decision any of us can make is, will we be reconciled? to God. And the crazy thing about this is, in verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Why? Because we just weren't going to get it done. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You know, each week I asked you a question. In week two, the question was that, that you should ask, and that is, how can I help? That's how we do honor. And week three, when it comes to conflict, the question you were supposed to ask is, who's suffering because I'm not getting what I want? And I just want to tell you, most of you didn't ask yourself that question honestly. You, you, you let yourself off the hook. How do I know? I've been in a lot of small groups. There's a lot of people letting themselves off the hook. Maybe you're saying, I've done everything. But he or she, they're not budging. I've done it all. I've prayed. I've gone to them. I've tried. 
and now you want to ask me this question. You're all thinking the same question, and it's this. When can I give up? And the answer is very simple. You can give up on seeking reconciliation with those in your life as soon as your heavenly Father gives up seeking reconciliation with you. That's simple. When, when, when God gives up on you, you give up on them. Otherwise, what you're saying is that your standard is higher than God's standard. And the only thing that's going to happen from that is somebody, maybe somebody's, are going to end up in hell. And so the, the reality is that we are supposed to carry this incredible message, this unattainable truth to the world, and that is this, that you can be reconciled to God in spite of your sin. And the only way that you can say that is if you are able to act like Christ and seek reconciliation with somebody who's offended you, somebody who's gone against you, somebody who's hurt you, somebody who's spit on you, somebody who's put a crown of thorns on your head, somebody who's plucked your beard spiritually. And you can look up to your Heavenly Father and you say, Father, forgive them. Did God offer to reconcile himself to you before you cleaned yourself up or after? He, he, did, he did it after. He's still doing it. And here's what you've got to do. is You've got to learn how to find common ground. You know, this is not about convincing you or convicting them or coercing somebody or justifying your actions in the past, in your mind towards that other person and trying to get them to completely understand you. You know, as I look, I see relationships. And, and have you ever seen one of those re, uh, scenes in the movie where um, they, they shut the door and there's one standing on this side of the door and the other standing on that side of the door? Now, they don't know that. And, and one wants to open the door and say, I'm sorry to the other. And the other wants to open up the, or knock on the door and say, it was my fault. And neither of them do that. And they walk away. What a sad scene. And yet that scene is lived over and over by Christ followers every day. There's somebody in your life that's on the other side of that door. And because of something that they've done, because of sins that they've committed, because of disappointments that they brought to you, you won't knock on the door. You won't open the door. And you won't offer them forgiveness. And you won't offer them apologies for the way you behaved. going to walk their way and you're going to walk your way and you're going to come back to church next Sunday and you might pray for them and all the time God's Holy Spirit is telling you that you need to take the next step just like I did you see this is where we get to be like Jesus And the problem is that in order to avoid uncomfortable relationship that God wants you in, you're making excuses. And I just got a question again. Which side of the door are you on? 
Are you on the side where you're waiting for the other person to knock on it and seek forgiveness? Let me just remind you of the human phenomenon. They're probably not going to do it. If you don't take the first step. If I wouldn't have taken the first step towards my dad, I don't know that we would have restored that relationship. I don't know that the last two years of his life were the best two years. Why? Why do we stay on the door with it closed? Because of our pride. Because of our self-righteousness. Because of the hurt. Because of our justified anger. Those are the primary barriers of reconciliation. Not the other person's sinful behavior. Not their habits. Not their lifestyle. Why do I know this? I've been there. I want you to understand something. Eternity is way too long for us to be wrong on this. It's way too long for your pride, for your self-righteousness to keep from establishing a relationship that just might lead them back to God's word. Maybe today you've recognized that there is a relationship that you need to take the first step or the next step. Or you need to get back on the path of reconciliation. Folks, I'm not letting you off easy today. Do you want the chains to be gone? This is what it looks like. If you're sitting here today, if you're watching, and you know that there's a relationship that you, the Holy Spirit has been telling you to seek reconciliation for. I want you to stand up. Folks, eternity is far too long for our pride to stop us. It's far too long. I'm about to pray for you, and, and, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life in such a way that scares you. And I'm going to ask you to take the next step in this relationship. And then, when I'm done praying, we're going to sing a song called Amazing Grace. And, and here's what I'm going to ask. It's, it's harder than anything I've asked you guys to do up to this point in the series. And those of you who have recognized that the Holy Spirit is poking you and telling you about that reconciliation that needs to happen and that you have a step to take, I'll, I want you to come forward to this altar. If you don't have the ability to get down on this altar, come and sit on this front row and just sit there. I, I just want to share something with you. If we can't move this far on a Sunday in, in this congregation, whatever God's asking you to do tomorrow is probably not going to happen. So I'm going to pray. When I say amen, I'm going to ask you to move. And then we're going to sing Amazing Grace. And, and maybe what you need to be praying is that God helps you to pour out that amazing grace on somebody else. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just ask you, God, that your Holy Spirit right now, you see the hearts, you see those that, that are broken, that are hurting. God, you see in the tears that are being poured out right now. 
Lord, I just, all of these relationships that are represented by the people that are standing, by those that, that are at home watching this right now, God, I just ask that your Holy Spirit will come into their lives, God. That you will show them what they need to do, the step they need to take, the forgiveness they need to seek, the grace that they need to give. I ask this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, who did all to help us reconcile to you. And God, I just ask for your power to help each of these individuals, each of these family relationships to see reconciliation happen. In Jesus' name I pray. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.